Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick, and this is David Smith, Yellow, the Executive Director of Illinois Family Action. Dave, you agree with me that we serve the Almighty God who has infinite power and wisdom. He's all-knowing. Yet here we are with a crazy election and with vote fraud and corruption very evident. Let's begin our conversation with the Reverend Miles Holmes and the Reverend Calvin Lindstrom. Reverend Holmes is an Illinois Family Institute board member. Miles and his wife, Valerie, are the co-lead pastors of Revive USA Church in Collinsville, Illinois. Reverend Lindstrom is on the board of Illinois Family Action. He's the pastor of the Church of Christian Liberty and Christian Liberty Academy in Arlington Heights. Pastors, I know and believe that our God is in control, but I'm wondering why he's allowing all this to happen. In Donald Trump, we have a president who protects life, who protects religious freedom, and through peace agreements with Arab states protects Israel. And now all this, why? Well, I, I, I shared last Wednesday night in my church, a pastor who revived in Collinsville, that, that the world is acting like the world and we shouldn't be surprised. Cheaters are cheating, <laughs> liars are lying, thieves are stealing, darkness is being celebrated, evil is being applauded, the enemy is acting like the devil he is. And when you think about it, there are crowds of people um, dancing, partying on the streets across America at the thought of Biden being the president. And when you think about it, they're actually dancing on top of the graves of the dismembered bodies of aborted babies, millions of babies. They're dancing on the incinerated remains of body parts of confused children who have had had, um, transgender surgeries. They're dancing on the death of any, any sense of morality or decency in the Democrat party. That's what they're dancing on. Um, so I, I'm still believing. I haven't given up. I still believe that the the fraud and the theft of votes and the illegal votes will be exposed in the Supreme Court. It's probably going to go all the way to the Supreme Court. But I'll stop talking here in a second, but um, you got me on a roll here. What we do know for sure, even if we're disappointed and maybe a little angry if, if this election is stolen from Donald Trump, what remains is the truth, and I know you all agree with me on this, that the message and the mission and the mandate of the Church of Jesus Christ does not depend upon who's sitting in the White House. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's dependent upon who is seated at the right hand of the Father's majesty on high, and that will never be in question. Amen. 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 When, when you study church history, it, it should bolster our courage. At the same time, it is sobering. Because when, when you look at those who stood faithfully, those who, let's say, recovered the truth of the gospel coming out of the Reformation, and you think, you know, why wasn't that more successful? You know, why were there so many in France who died, who came to an understanding of the gospel in other, in other times of, of church history, the covenanters who, you know, you know recovered a lot of the political aspects. So God has not promised us that if we focus on the right things, it is going to be well for us in a political uh, in a political setting. 
we have the truth and that is most important, but that doesn't guarantee that everything is going to work out for us politically. And and if one just reads Jeremiah and Isaiah, you realize, oh, I guess the truth is not always welcomed, is it? No, and, <laughs> and even, even, even Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> right. So Absolutely. it's not that we pray for it or we're happy with trouble, but we can't say, oh, what, what's going wrong? We, we, we were on the right side. Well, exactly. hopefully we were uh, on the right side, but that, that that's not a guarantee that, you know, it's going to be well for us or for this nation. You know, we, we are thankful for, for the good, decent policies that Donald Trump has supported directly or indirectly through his administration. Uh, and, and you listed a number of them. And so, yeah, th- there's a sense of why, Lord, uh, but we, we have to wait on him. And, you know, we can grieve for our neighbors because many of them are going to be falling prey or victim to um, to the policies uh, of a Biden slash Harris administration. And um, and, and that's frustrating. But be, before we, we get further into um, how do we respond to this, um, we, we we want to acknowledge that at the recording of this, we're recording this on Monday uh, the 9th of November. So almost a week after the election took place, um, there are at least five states that are being challenged uh, with, you know, uh, with um, possible uh, election fraud, right? Um, and legal challenges. So, you know, one thing we have to remember, it took 37 days for the uh, Gore-Bush hanging Chad situation to be resolved. 37 days. And in the meantime, of course, the media declared Gore the president. Um, And so it's not done yet, right? We've got to wait for this, um, for it to wind its way through the Supreme Court. And each one of these states have got to go through it. In, In the Gore Bush one, it was only one state, Florida. So, but as, as someone who worked in a Chicago Democrat's office, it was a pro-life Democrat. Uh, those, those folks are gone now, by the way. I had a lot of experience with Chicago-style politics. And it wasn't unheard of. <laughs> in fact, I think it was every election cycle. Um, they would hold back reporting certain precincts until they knew what the deficit was they needed to overcome to get their appointed guy elected. Sure. And so we're seeing this on a national level yeah, where we've Chicago got five election 101. Yeah. yeah. Right. So we've got five or six states being held back. And then all of a sudden in the middle of the night, and of course that's when the thief breaks in, right? Um, you've got these huge dumps of, uh, of, um, of ballots for one candidate. Oh, and, and, and don't, don't forget the fact that in some of these dumps, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 batches, as many as 100,000 new Biden votes were found and not one Trump vote among them. That's absolutely impossible in America. And, and so to suggest there was no fraud or no deception is, is to be absolutely head stuck in the sound, sand. Yeah. So I think I can speak for all of us. You know, we believe fraud is at the heart of this, right? Um, let me ask you as pastors. Is it right for us to be praying and appealing to to the to God's throne of mercy that He expose this wickedness and and have mercy on our state and nation? 
Oh, absolutely. And, I, and absolutely. that's how I've been approaching God and encouraging my people to approach God. We don't, we're not worthy. <laughs> we, we don't deserve God's grace. But exactly. We're crying, we're crying out for mercy. When you consider, even if Trump is reelected, there were millions of Americans who voted for socialism, voted for more abortion, voted for more transgenderism, voted for more Muslim teaching in high school. They knew what they were voting for. We need God in America. We need revival. We need reformation. And I'm reminding people just mm -hmm. today that, that this Wednesday is the 400th anniversary of the Mayflower landing. Yep, that's and I'm right. calling for a national day, November 11th, the national day of repentance mm -hmm. and reformation, getting, getting God mm -hmm. back in America. We need mercy. We need God's grace. And, and I've also been encouraging people to remember that at, at least, <laughs> and, and you're free to disagree with me, but I think we've got to stop saying God's got this and God's in control. God's will will be done. That, that's not necessarily true. It's not even biblical. I know that God has a perfect will. He has desires and preferences, but they don't automatically happen if we take our hands off. God's will is only accomplished through and by his obedient people. And we, we, we often step back and say, well, let's just let God do. And John Piper did that. Beth Moore did it. So many of uh, people who have a, a bad theology just said, let's let, let, let's let God do this. But the Bible says the opposite, that the God's will is something that you and I have to do. God doesn't do his will. We do his will or we fail to do his will. I, and yeah. I listed uh, dozens of scriptures where God's word says, I delight to do your will. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my father. Whoever does the will of my father, the same as my brother and sister and mother. So the will of God is something I either do or don't do. The will of God is not something that God imposes on the earth. It's not God's will that a baby is aborted. It's not God's will that a child is murdered. Um, God's will is something that I either choose to do or reject. And so, I, you know, I, I blame what's happened um, on, on the media and on COVID-19 and on the silent church, the weak apologetic now, church. I'd like exactly. So, so Miles, on the second half, I'd like to follow up with you got you and Calvin on that point. Uh, what, what part does a Christian worldview play in all this? But uh, before we do that, we're going to be uh, taking a break. I'd like to hear from Calvin respond to, uh, to what Miles and I were just talking about. Miles, I, I would uh, just add a point of theology. There is the the absolute de decretive will of God, and then there is the uh, the perceptive will, you know, the precepts. And, and I fully agree with you. We have to do God's will, what he has revealed for us. God does have an eternal plan that encompasses all things, what we call good and evil. And that, that I think, is what some people are saying. In, in that sense, yes, God is sovereign. God is our refuge and strength. We, we need to be doing his will. We, we don't just and, and my uh, point is, give in to uh, fatalism, for example. Um, the, the, the knowledge of God's sovereignty should encourage us to act, not keep us from acting. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. God's never gone in the voting booth and pulled a lever or filled out a chad or, or marked a ballot for anyone. He's given us that choice. And if we use wisdom and follow his precepts, we'll do the right thing. Exactly. Amen. You know, one of my favorite verses is Ephesians 2.10. It says that God has created before 
before we were even created, good works for us to walk in. And um, so, <laughs> you know, those of us who refuse to do those good works, are they getting done? Those who are in rebellion, they're not getting done. God created. We have to find them and do them. Correct. That's what God's will is. He wants us to do that. This is Illinois Family Spotlight. We'll take a time out and we'll continue our conversation with Pastor Miles Holmes and Pastor Calvin Lindstrom after this. This is Albert Moeller for townhall.com. Regardless of what happens in the presidential election, the reality is that one of the lasting achievements of Donald Trump's administration is going to be three Supreme Court justices. The most important of them is probably the last. Now, Justice Amy Coney Barrett. In one of her first cases on the court, she heard oral arguments this past week in Fulton versus the city of Philadelphia, one of the most important cases in which religious liberty is on the line to come before the court in decades. The city of Philadelphia had targeted a Catholic adoption and foster care agency and had eliminated their contract for ongoing foster and adoption care. Why? Because this Catholic agency turned out to hold to Catholic doctrine. The stated reason was discrimination against same-sex couples, but Justice Samuel Alito identified the real reason. He said, quote, it's the fact that the city can't stand the message that Catholic social services and the archdiocese are sending by continuing to adhere to the old-fashioned view about marriage, end quote. In other words, historic Christian teaching. The Supreme Court of the United States is poised to make history in the preservation of religious liberty. And now Justice Barrett is on the court to be one of the nine to make that history. Another reminder that elections have consequences. I'm Albert Moeller. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. I'm Monty Larrick, along with David Smith, the Executive Director of Illinois Family Action. We're joined by the Reverend Miles Holmes, an Illinois Family Institute board member and the pastor of Revive Church in Collinsville, Illinois. And the Reverend Calvin Lindstrom is on the board of Illinois Family Action. He's the pastor of the Church of Christian Liberty and Christian Liberty Academy, both in Arlington Heights. What's your message to evangelical pastors who failed to publicly commit to President Trump before the election or who even failed to even mention some of the issues at stake in the election, life, religious liberty, etc.? I'm more than a little perturbed, for instance, that my own pastor did not even pray for a safe and fair election. Yeah, I do apologize that, it, that it's so personal with your pastor and your church, but I just said on Sunday that we need to start a new walkaway campaign. Walk, <laughs> hashtag walk away from dead churches. And I, and I apologize that, that it's so severe, but I, I cannot believe the number of evangelicals who said they could not support Trump, even though they knew he was so pro-life, pro-Israel, pro-First Amendment, pro-freedom of assembly, pro-church, pro-religious freedom, doing his best to get rid of the Johnson Amendment. Um, it, it, it was shocking to me that, that pastors and, and churches could not be in the forefront of um, of supporting this this president, and and it's it's a Pharisaical, uh, judgmental, self righteous point of view that you can't forgive Donald Trump for his pagan ways um, before he was president. You can't forgive him um, for adultery. You can't forgive him for for living like the world when he was in the world. Um, it, that's exactly the kind of attitude that nailed Jesus to the cross. That you don't follow our rules and. It, it's absolutely a shame 
in in my mind that that pastors could not be more vocal about um, this election and and men like John P- Piper, women like Beth Moore that actually encourage folks not to vote for Donald Trump. Um, but I, but let me before I, I shut up here for a moment, let me say there's another group that I'm a little bit frustrated with, and that were all the alleged prophets who said he's going to be elected. And I actually talked to Christians who said they weren't that worried about it and they weren't going to be involved because, well, this prophet or that prophet said he's going to be elected. And I think that does just as much damage on the other side as those who said don't vote for him. Yeah, it would be interesting, Miles, as as we discuss this. What about, uh, you know, eight years ago, 16 years ago? Was was there this hesitance among evangelicals? Uh, to speak out on these issues was was Donald Trump an increasingly uh, polarizing figure, or has this been something that we've seen for for a long time? And there there is a, a proper balance, but but pastors are called shepherds, right? And and shepherds are to protect and identify, and we we have to we we have a moral obligation. I have a, a fat book; it's almost thirteen hundred pages of political sermons. That were preached in the the founding period of our nation. Exactly. Uh, say, so there, again, there's a well. long, yeah, <laughs> say it, that again. yeah. It's it's a 1,300 page book of political sermons. It, in fact, the, the last sermon <laughs> was preached in the Capitol building. This is 1805. Now, the man who preached it was not was not completely orthodox, but he preached on the second coming of Christ at the U.S. Capitol. So we, we've had a heritage of our in our nation that has been, I think, sadly lost and has been skewed. So, um, yeah, that, that's just um, we, we are we are in a mess. And, and I understand there were a lot of I think a lot of pastors who were probably neutralized by fear and True. they they just kind of remained silent. This radical dichotomy between the area of of politics and and the word of god and and i don't i don't know of any pastor who's saying oh donald trump will be our salvation no you know were there, were there people saying that oh i i suppose there were some or you know maybe maybe too much they were they were looking to cozy up and and i don't think any minister should be you know uh try to get on the side of a particular politician for favor for recognition that is dangerous course yeah. but at the same time you know if we're just completely silent on all these issues that that's not our our duty either so yeah so, we, we are uh we are in a mess theologically we we don't understand how to articulate some of these matters in in my humble opinion so true and and when you consider that jesus asked us to pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done not in heaven but on earth just like it is in heaven right so if we have to say that we're not going to ask Christ to be Lord of our politics throws out the Lordship idea of Christ totally, because if he's not Lord of your politics, he's not Lord of your life. And it's, it's incredibly, incredibly dangerous that um, there's an increasing silence. I agree with Pastor Calvin. He said, you know, this is not a new thing. The silence and the fear is not a new thing. It was probably visited on the church in 1954 by the Johnson amendment and many pastors thinking they could no longer speak or, 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 or uh, d- direct um, any kind of mention of, of the word of God mm-hmm. to the political situation. You know, I think the Johnson a- a- Amendment really gave pastors an excuse not to talk. 
about these mm-hmm. issues. I think you're yeah. right. Even though no, um, you know, have there been pastors who have been prosecuted under the Johnson Amendment? I can only think of one or two cases. Um, no. and, where, and, where it that... and it wasn't a long-term thing, Calvin. It was like a one-day thing. Right. Right. Um, in fact, there's a group. There's a group that is encouraging pastors to send political messages to the IRS because they want a test case because they know we'll be thrown out because right. we pulpit, do have pulpit freedom Sunday. Yes. Right. A, a freedom of speech, and yeah, right. uh, that that's that's for the church. It's for your business. It's for your life. You have the freedom to speak. Going back to uh, Miles' point about the Lordship of Christ, um, one of my favorite quotes comes from Abraham Kuyper, who said, uh, quote, There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, Mine. Mm -hmm. Amen. And so so these pastors who think, um, religious leaders who think, you know, politics is dirty, I don't want to get involved— um, they're wrong. We're supposed to take dominion over all of these things. And and in the Great Commission, Jesus says, teach all nations to observe what I have taught you and my commands. And so, you know, <laughs> but, you know, so so that brings up the next point, which I wanted to ask both, both pastors here is, um, besides the pastors having a faulty worldview, which it then affects the, the, the sheep and the flock, um, what part does our a anemic worldview, a biblical worldview, play in all this? I think it has a, a significant, uh, significant play. Let me give one example. Uh, Jeannie Ives was one of the candidates we were uh, praying and heroes. supporting. Yep. And, she, you know, part of her base is Wheaton. The last, the last time I checked, Wheaton had a lot of Christians in it. Now, I, I don't know what the vote in Wheaton specifically was for, for Jeannie Ives, but the fact that her opponent, who exalts a vile pervert as his hero. That's and, Dan Savage, right? Yep, that's right, Dan Savage. You know, that, that's his hero. How does Sean Caston win in that district? To me, you know, as, as disappointed as I am with Christians regarding Donald Trump, then you take it to this level of someone like Sean Caston versus Jeannie Ives. And yep. one... I think a lot of Christians have become woke. They have been yeah. guilt manipulated and exactly. they are going to atone for their sin by voting democratic. Exactly. And it, it to me it's a it's a false system of salvation that's some are I think dangerously coming close to to accepting in in certain aspects. Oh, exactly right. And I I've been saying the last little while that it's it's amazing to me when you think of the folks that, that hate the idea of a constitutional originalist or textualist, whether it's a, a judge or a Supreme Court judge or a politician, somebody who actually looks at the Constitution and says, we want to find out what they meant, and it still means what they meant then. Those are the same people who hate biblical originalists and textualists. Mm-hmm. It, and, and it's the same issues. We are biblical originalists. We believe that God made the heavens and the earth, and God made Adam and Eve, and Christ is coming again. We take these things literally, and we, we expect that, that the word of God is true. We don't, we don't try to interpret it for our modern sensibilities or, or our feelings or what, what 2021 looks like. And the, you know, Amy Coney Barrett was hated because she is an originalist. 
She looks at the Constitution and says, well, this is what it says, and that's what it means. And the same people that hate originalist judges hate originalist uh, Christians. And uh, that's the divide in America today, whether Good it's point. Supreme Court or, or biblical, or I'm sorry, or, or um, constitutional, the Supreme Court. And it's the divide in the church today. Those who think the Bible is something that needs to be interpreted to our modern sensibilities and those who believe that the Bible still says what it means. Mm -hmm. Let's talk down the road. If Joe Biden is elected president, how do Christians live under a Harris-Biden administration? That's no mistake. What's our path forward in the face of possible, likely, some form of persecution? Well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to come. I I think um, we we if you look at what the Obama administration was doing to certain groups, um, then I I think you can say this: what the Biden administration and and you call it the Harris Biden administration. And I think that wasn't by I, accident. I don't. I yeah, I don't. I don't say that by accident. I you, you look where the Obama administration was heading, and then multiply it. Let's say by uh, three or four or five, ten times. Let let's say, and and you know. That is where they are going to be heading because there is they have a radical base that is demanding that they they move in this uh, direction. You know, Biden's trying to pretend he's a unifier now, but behind him is uh, I want to say it's a wicked, demonic agenda. It is going to affect Christians. I, I can't predict absolutely entirely how, but think of the business owners, Jack Phillips, Melissa Klein. Um, the bed and breakfast owners in, in Paxton, Illinois, Baronel Stutzman. The, these are some of the people that uh, that come well, to the mind. Equality Act. Yeah. Right. With the Equality Act, or even if that's not passed, you know, even without that, the Obama administration was forcing uh, Christian organizations in some ways, shutting down Tea Party uh, groups from getting a certain status as organizations. You, you know that's going to continue. Um, well, I, my friend um, Lance Walno made the statement that persecution is coming. We know that. It's prophesied in Scripture. Persecution is coming. With Donald Trump in the White House, we had persecution and somebody who was trying to protect us from it. If Harris Biden is in the White House, we'll have persecution with potentially no protection. Now, right. I think the good news may be that the Senate may stay in Republican hands, so there will be some checks and balances, and it looks like more Republicans uh, maybe joining the Congress, so Pelosi may be losing some influence there, which mm -hmm. which proves, of course, that the pundits and the pollsters were wrong again. No surprise. But no doubt, we, we've got to encourage our people to stay in the Word of God because, you know, I, I'm, I'm so, I'm politically involved, I'm aware, I, I'm, I'm a news hound and a news analyst, and I talk about it all the time. And a lot of people ask me, well, how do you stay so encouraged then? How do you stay so upbeat? And I tell them it's it's a simple reason. I believe 100% of every word of God, from Genesis to Revelation, I believe it. I'll, I'll take my life on it. I only believe maybe a third of what I see on the news. <laughs> <laughs> because it's fake news, right? It's so, false news. It's not true. So if you keep your – I just read today. I read through the Psalms every month and – so that takes me five psalms a day. In the middle of my reading today, I found myself in Psalm 42 and 43. Listen to this. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs for you. We're familiar with that. And then he asks, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you discouraged? Hope in God, 
I will yet praise him for the health of his countenance. Says that four times in the next two chapters. Mm -hmm. And then 43 starts with, Vindicate me, O God. Plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Deliver me from deceitful and unjust men. I read that early this morning because I, for some reason, I woke up at 2 a.m. this morning, could never get back to sleep. Um, Yikes. But, but listen, we can ask God in the midst of a violent, ungodly, um, pagan nation, vindicate your church, vindicate us. And I believe, I honestly believe that we, we can be expecting a time of revival and reformation as the world gets darker around us as persecution comes to the church. God always will bless his children. He will vindicate his children. Uh, it's amazing to me the power of the word of God if we'll daily consume it, make it our make it our make it the first meal of our day. God's word mm -hmm. will speak to us. Amen. Yep. Well, yeah. Calvin, would you, would you recommend that people uh, take time, say, to unplug from social media and news sources, uh, say, over maybe Saturday night through Sunday night, you know, just uh, take a, the Sabbath off, if you will, and uh, to just focus on counting their blessing and, and listening to spiritual songs and psalms and hymns um, and getting in a better frame of mind. I think, in my opinion, for me, that does wonders uh, for my attitude and perspective. Yep. It, you know, we, we, we forget how influenced we are perhaps by social media. And it's only really been for most of us the last 10 years. So yeah, we, we, there, is a, there is a danger if the word of man is dwelling us richly and the word of God is not dwelling in us oh, richly. Exactly. So, well said. Uh, yeah, that's, um, yeah, uh, Dave, just I'll add, add a point. It's, it's not that we are all heading to a gulag. Uh, it's not like we want to be like the CNN journalists who are complaining how stressful this time was. Uh, Dan Crenshaw had a great response to that. But as, as we have been talking about, we are, are certainly going to be headed for a time of increased challenge and testing. And this is where, as God's people, we should say how if 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 what is you know seemingly what the direction is, we don't know how God is going to work in the next month, as we talked about in the, before the break. But how could the Biden administration be used to help us focus on our duties and responsibilities as Christians? I, I don't pray for difficulty. God will send that. But in the midst of difficulty, we do say, Lord, direct us. And, and that is where sometimes it is in the path of difficulty where we better know God's presence. God's people who, who suffered in Eastern Europe have a testimony that is different than Christians who grew up in relative ease and freedom in our nation. So and it's not like, oh, I, I would rather have grown up in, in Romania. No, but those, those Christians who were faithful to God's word, they, they were given a gift that, that we don't have in the West. So <laughs> we, we pray, Lord, let, let your will be done in our lives, but use this as a time of growth and maturing. So let's not make, let's not underestimate but let's not overestimate the the threat and danger also. We, we want the truth and to live and appropriately respond. Should Christians consider engaging in civil disobedience if the Biden-Harris administration has just gone too far? Well, I think we're already there in many cases. I mean, we, yeah. we have to stand for truth. We have to stand for righteousness. But can I just take a moment to encourage pastors and, and church leaders out there we have had a significant season of growth in the last couple of months here at the church. Um, and this might not 
for those that pastor thousands, it may not be significant to you, but we've had 10 new families just join us in the last few weeks. And Amen. the reason they're joining us is because they've had to leave compromising churches that were silent and apologetic and encouraging their people to read white fragility and realize how racist they are, they are, mm. and are supporting black lives matters movement. And they're, they're looking around for a church that still preaches the gospel and still preaches um, that we, we've got to come out from among the world. We're in the world. We're not of it um, and still loves a lost, but but stands for something. And uh, it's, it's encouraging to me that people are saying, hey, we recognize that you're preaching the gospel and you're preaching the truth and you're not afraid to tackle these difficult subjects. Um, to me, they're not difficult if they're clear in God's word. If they're not clear in God's word, I don't want to talk about them. But gender and marriage and, uh, and the sanctity of life in the womb, those are all clear in the word of God. So they're not difficult subjects for me. And I want to encourage pastors out there, if you'll be bold, if you'll be courageous, speak the truth in love. We are, we are, um, we must always bathe everything we speak in the grace of God and the redemptive work of Calvary. There's hope for sinners. There's hope for the lost. Mm -hmm. But if you will speak the truth and love, God will honor your ministry. Amen. Wow. That's, that's a, and, a great and testimony. Pastor you're still preaching the gospel, right? And you plan to continue to do so. Amen. Uh, in our in our church, in our school, the Lord is uh, given us an opportunity still to meet in person. Uh, we've we've had some you know some some challenges. There is an illness, but uh, by God's grace, we're making it through. And uh, the glory the glory belongs to the Lord. You know what? One thing we we sometimes maybe forget is it is not about our own power or might. It never has Amen. been. It is always the power of God of our risen. Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. So when it looks like we are weak, we we find our strength. We must always find our strength in the Lord. And and it, it is a shame when when there are so many Christians that we think are not consistent, not living as they should. And and that grieves us. It it should. But again, the strength is not in the church. The strength is in our risen Lord. He is the one who's going to build his true church such Amen. that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. Well, as Miles indicated earlier, the U.S. Senate uh, may be uh, hinging on a special runoff uh, in Georgia for both Senate seats. So we need to keep that in prayer. In Illinois, it looks like two pro-life conservative Republican seats were picked up. So uh, unfortunately, the House Republicans are still in the super minority, but at least it's going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. um, the the um, income tax, the progressive income tax was defeated, and uh, it looks like the Supreme Court could be in the next two years in the Republicans' hand uh, here in the state of Illinois. So um, there's lots of opportunities here still going forward. Uh, to to be salt and light to a culture mm -hmm. um, and to try to serve our neighbors and protect mm -hmm. them from yep. bad policies. So, um, you know, should should let me just ask in, in the, maybe the last question here, because we're running out of time. But how would you encourage folks to stay plugged in and involved and uh, curl up in the fetal position? <laughs> well, I just go back to the word of God. And, and if you're not in the word, you're, you're hopeless. I can't help you. There you go. If, you, if you'll allow me to direct you to the word of God, for example, Psalm 11, this is in the New Living Translation. The foundations of law and order have collapsed. Is, is that, is that mm -hmm. not a, 
a description of our society today. The foundations of law and order have collapsed. What can the righteous do? The question is asked. Then the next four verses tell us very quickly, the Lord reigns. This is what we remember when the, when the foundations of law and order have collapsed. We remember God reigns, God sees, God tests, God hates. That's right. That's right in that scripture. We, we Oh, my goodness. We forget that God hates something. God hates. The Lord will judge. The Lord is righteous. And the Lord loves and smiles upon those who do right. God's still going to take care of his children in the midst of a, of a collapsing generation around us. God's word has to be our anchor. Amen. Amen. Dave, I know we probably should wrap up, but I'd like to have the pastors talk about one other thing here. How are your churches responding to the pandemic? I think we're already trying to see a shift. Uh, there was a headline about, oh, the, um, the threat of a second wave is being overestimated. The Chicago Teacher Union is looking for a mediator to try to get them back in the classroom. It, it, to me, it seems, you know, some people are saying, oh, after the election, this is all going to change. That's maybe a little simplistic. It, to me, I'm, I'm seeing some evidence, though, that would seem to support, to support that. Um, I think these governors wanted to be viewed as saviors, and they can only be saviors if they're, if they're doing lots of things, holding lots of press conferences, you know, in, in trying to com- combat a, a disease. I, I think there is little in, in one sense that you can do absolutely, unless you're going to totally lock everything down and then just have it all crumble around you. Pritzker's um, approval ratings are really low right now, and I think it's because of his management um, uh, and the lockdown mandates that have come down. Um, a lot of people unhappy with what he's doing. So there's another example of maybe in two years, uh, if we have a good Republican challenger, uh, we might be able to um, at least capture one of the branches of government here in Illinois. He, I think he, he could be he could be vulnerable. Though, Dave, um, some of the early polling had Pritzker being viewed very positively. Now, this is probably three months old. Uh, you know, can we trust can we trust any of the polls <laughs> today? <laughs> right. right? Uh, but uh, yeah, th- there is a growing resistance and and I hope an awareness of, wow, uh, the government w- will not su- save us. Amen. Well, a big thank you to Pastor Miles Holmes and Pastor Calvin Lindstrom. Pastors, if each of you would close us with a brief word of prayer. Absolutely. Father God, we worship you. We recognize that you are God all by yourself, but you welcome us into relationship with you, and you welcome us to be ambassadors of your kingdom, of your grace, and of your glory in this lost and dark world. We thank you, Father, for it. Thank you for Illinois Family Action. Thank you for David Smith and Monty and Pastor Calvin. We just pray your blessing on our ministries as we continue to hold the banner of righteousness and truth, morality and decency high. Help us to love, Lord, and to shed your grace around this world that so desperately needs you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, we uh, we thank you that you are the same faithful God. And as we remember our pilgrim forefathers, those who sacrificed much, We pray we will not dishonor them by being weak and shallow, by not having that same bold vision uh, to see your kingdom expand, to see even those uh, natives uh, reached with your truth, 
Lord, let us live in light of the many who have gone before us, who have suffered far worse than what we perhaps will face. So give us that courage, that peace in our Lord and Savior. For his glory, we pray in Jesus' great name. Amen. 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 Thanks again to Pastor Holmes and Pastor Lindstrom, two pastors who have the courage to speak and stand for truth. Please support the work of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action as we promote the common sense biblical values that are good for all of Illinois. Please tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. And until next time, stay healthy, stay active, and God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize. 